Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today had surgeries for a non-cancerous brain tumor and thoracic outlet syndrome. He was on 19 different prescription medications, overweight, and diagnosed and, and disengaged, rather, from life. When he discovered cannabis, his life changed dramatically. Joining us from Colorado is Danny Sloat, who is a grower and owner of Alpen Stash. Danny, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Always happy to talk to you guys. Now, you're a young man in your 20s. When did your health start to deteriorate? Shortly after I turned 21, I had a uh, issue with a what turned out to take many years to diagnose, a stomach issue, just uh, severe abdominal pain. I was hospitalized for that. And then, you know, when it wasn't uh, a standard diagnosis, I, I was just put on a bunch of medication. Did they have any indication what your problem was with your stomach? Uh, no, not at that time. Uh, you know, was the, we ran the gamut of, you know, pancreatitis, uh, gallbladder stuff, and then once once it became obvious that it wasn't directly GI related, then then we started looking at, you know, was it nerve impingements or, or different pain syndromes, you know, having to do with like the nerves that run from the back to the to the gut area and, and things like that. Did they ever come up with a definitive conclusion of what your problem was? Yeah, so I, I ended up being diagnosed with something called pelvic floor dysfunction, which is essentially just some issues with the muscles in, in the pelvic floor area, you know, of which there's a bunch of those different little muscles in, in the stomach area. So uh, it, it turned out that it was related to a hyperactive immune system, uh, kind of an auto. Uh, immune problem. I, I do have asthma and colitis, so that, that kind of fit the, the bill of a hyperactive immune system. Boy, you're 21 at the time, and you're in your early 20s when uh, you should be extremely healthy. How were you dealing with this emotionally? You know, at first, I, I, was, I was pretty positive. Uh, I, I'm a really optimistic person. I've had you know, because of my asthma, my colitis, I've definitely uh, had a history dealing with the, the medicine world. And, you know, generally things turned out pretty good. So uh, up until that point, so, you know, I had definitely had faith that things would work out. It, you know, it was complicated. And um, but then as as the kind of years dragged on and as more and more medicine got tossed my way and, you know, as I just kind of operated on a in an opiate slump, uh, it got pretty you know, depressing, and it was it was definitely a dark time. Danny, these medications that they were giving you were, were these all for pain, or were they actually trying to fix the issue at all? This was before we figured out what the issue was, and so at that point, it, it was all for pain, and then it was for uh, to combat the side effects of, of taking opiates, and then. Uh, you know, to combat the side effects of those medications and, and, and things like that. On and on. Yep, on and on. When were you diagnosed with your non-cancerous brain tumor? The one I have is an acoustic, or had, was an acoustic neuroma. And that was 
I believe at the end of 2008. To be honest, I, I kind of I have the dates off a little bit in my head because it was such a, a blur, but I, I believe that's when it was. With all your health issues, what sort of symptoms were you experiencing as a result of this brain tumor? So this is a, it's kind of actually kind of a funny one. I, I had tinnitus in my right ear, so that's just ringing in the ear. Um, I My mom is a little bit of a hypochondriac, and she had a, a cousin that had an acoustic deroma. So when I kind of one day was like, yeah, I just have this weird ringing in my ear, you know, she encouraged me to go. Uh, see a doctor, and the doctor initially thought nothing was wrong. Uh, I did a hearing test and found to have a little bit of a deficit in that ear and then did an MRI and and then found that out. And what was that like for you when you found out you had a tumor in the brain? The, the fact that it was small enough, we had caught it early enough, um, you know, the, the, the operation to remove it, although considered major, is fairly straightforward with, you know, not very much risk. So I just was kind of you know, I, I, I wasn't that part didn't particularly bum me out. Uh, it was just something that we had to take care of. And, and I was, you know, I had faith that that I would get through that. So, um, you know, there's the stress involved of, of thinking about surgery and, and things like that. But but I would say it wasn't too devastating. Boy, Danny, with a pelvic floor issue, uh, asthma, colitis, tinnitus, brain tumor. Man, you were in a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my fortunately, my asthma was really well controlled. Um, the colitis, which is not something fun to have, because I was on so many opiates, that actually kind of balanced that out. But certainly all the prescriptions I was taking and just being in constant pain and, you know, going from doctor to doctor trying to figure it out and, and then, you know, doing different therapies, you know, whether that was injection therapies or, or nerve ablations or epidurals or you know, physical therapy, massage therapy, all that, it was, yeah, it was uh, definitely, like I said, it was uh, certainly a dark time. No, you, sorry, go ahead, Corey. Do you recall how many medications you were on? Uh, I believe in kind of on the height, I, I was on, I believe, 19 different prescriptions. Wow. How did you keep track of all that? Uh, well, you know, I because of my asthma when I was a kid, I got good at, at taking medicine and, and you know, take, being responsible with taking medicine. So I guess I had practice. Now, Danny, you also had what's known as thoracic outlet syndrome. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so that's a nerve impingement syndrome. Uh, it, it happens in the space uh, between your collarbone and your first rib. There's a, a small uh, space there that the nerve, artery, and vein to your arm run. And so people that develop this, they can have the involvement of the nerve and or the artery and or the vein. Fortunately for me, it was just the nerve um, so kind of, you know, just, just was dealing with the pain and, uh, and, and loss of nerve function. And over this period, when you had all these ailments and taking all these medications, 19 at the height of it, you started mm-hmm. to gain a lot of weight, did you not? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I was a pretty active person. I did a lot of rock climbing. Um, you know, the area I live in in the country is known as just a healthy and fit area. So I definitely, uh, you know, I, I wasn't active anymore. I wasn't really doing much, and I, I gained a lot of weight. You know, op- opiates and uh, the benzodiazepines I was on at the time, too, you know, they definitely activated a sweet tooth. Yeah, so, you became a you know, sh- sugar addict, did you? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And you combine that with inactivity. Um, that's definitely a recipe for weight gain. Did you ever feel during this period that somehow life was passing you by and things just weren't going to get any better? Um, in, in the moment, I definitely did. Uh, like I said, I, I'm an optimistic person. So I, I had a feeling that at some point, someday that I would get over all that and get back to uh, you know, being on track with my life. But you know, it was it was during the time that, you know, it was hard to see that happening anytime soon. Now, tell us the story about how you got directed toward cannabis. Uh, my parents are both, uh, you know, definitely had uh, lots of cannabis experience. Both of them grew up in, in the 60s and 70s. My mom dated the sound manager for the Grateful Dead back in the 70s. So she, you know, was exposed to it quite a bit. Uh, my dad, when he moved out to Colorado, was a drug defense attorney and, and helped start normal in Colorado. So I had encouraging parents. My dad actually encouraged me to try medical cannabis. And so um, eventually I did. You know, it, it took a, a couple of months of you know, him you know, trying to get me to go see a doctor for that uh, because I had had – while I had had lots of experiences in high school, the experiences I had with cannabis um, kind of later in my teens and earlier in my 20s weren't always the most – uh, positive experiences, so I was a little hesitant to try it. Um, but eventually, you know, I kind of exhausted all the all the other avenues, um, you know, for for pain management, and, and tried medicinal cannabis, and, and you know, never looked back. When you say you didn't have positive experiences with cannabis, does that mean you got pretty wasted when you used it? Uh, so I definitely, am, and there are some people that can can get stoned and function normally, and there are some people that when when they get stoned, they get pretty obliterated. I, I was definitely the kind that gets pretty obliterated, but I had you know typical paranoia mm. um, experiences, nausea sometimes, and vomiting, and you know I also feel like when you take uh, a lot of manufactured mind-altering substances like opiates, you, you kind of just have a natural uh, – some people get just kind of a natural negative reaction to the, the healing and, and natural properties of cannabis. And I, I think that, that my poor experiences were heightened by the fact that I was on you know, opiates, antidepressants, you know, things for uh, you know, nerve pain and, and stuff like that. So were you afraid to take it the first time you, you – or use it the first time you did? I was nervous. I was not looking forward to not having, you know, to having a bad time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely nervous and, and hesitant. I mean, I, I got my medical card in September, and I think that I uh, even then waited till uh, the beginning of December to to try it. Well, I used to be the queen of paranoia on cannabis, so I, I quit smoking way back when. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer and started using oil... The first time that I did oil, Danny, I had a friend stay with me for nine hours. I was so afraid. Yeah. I, I actually had a, a – my best friend, you know, he he was definitely uh, a fan of cannabis. And so he you know, he hung out with me and I, I believe we, you know, watched some movies and stuff like that that first time. So Just to get know. through it and realize that, you know, you're not going to die and you're not going to – nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, for me, that first time dealing with that, uh, you know, being anxious, I, I what I discovered is, is that doing something 
that's distracting really helps, you know, and, and, you know, whether that's watching TV series or a movie or going on a hike or something that can, you know, occupy your mind while you get comfortable with the feeling if you've had issues with it in the past. You know, uh, that was important. You know, Danny, there, it, just for an FYI, in case you don't know, there is a supplement out there that helps with any anxiety or paranoia. It's a product called Citicoline, C-I-T-I-C-O-L-I-N-E, um, available in some health food stores and over the net. What it's for is mental clarity, but what it does is block the receptor that causes any anxiety or paranoia, and it works like a charm. Awesome. I was not familiar with it. That, that sounds like a great supplement. Yeah, it's, it's great. So the first time you used it, uh, used cannabis uh, to help with your health issues, what form did you use it in, and how long until you noticed uh, some changes? Back then, you know, that was kind of, kind of it, the whole medical cannabis thing was kind of new to Colorado, um, and so we had, you know, just traditional flour uh, and edibles, and so I, I started with flour, so I just smoked flour. Um, you know, I, I probably by the second or third day, I noticed uh, an improvement in, in my perception of pain, which then allowed me to step myself off of the opiates, and uh, you know everything, you know, was just uphill from there. Danny, did your sugar craving diminish? Oh, definitely. I mean, I still, you know, a lot of people enjoy sugar. I still uh, do enjoy that, but I mean, I, you know, it was it was quite profound. Uh, you know, when I was on all that medication, and it, it's definitely now, uh, and, and fairly quickly became, you know, just a healthy uh, relationship with sugar. So it definitely improved. Danny, when you look back to that December when you first started taking cannabis for medical purposes, you look at your health then and compare it to your health now. How different is it? Oh my gosh, it's a uh, a hundred percent night and day. I mean, I was. You know, seventy or eighty pounds overweight. I, I, I literally spent most of my my days either sleeping or just in bed watching TV. Um, I, I had very little social interaction, and you, you know, didn't have any hobbies or anything like that. I mean, now it's completely turned around. I mean, I do lots of physical activities. Um, you know, I'm engaged. I have a business, and and I do the thing that I love every day. So, I mean, it's just a 100% difference. I have pictures from that time period, and actually, you know, people don't even know it's me. They think it might be a brother. You know, it just it, it blows people's minds, you know, just the, the physical transformation, you know, let alone the uh, emotional and mental one. They thought you had a chubby brother. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it does not look like me. Well, that's that's good. Tell us how yeah. tell us how you came about to establish your business, Alpenstash. Yeah, so my first uh, experience with a dispensary in, in Colorado, they actually gave me a clone, a uh, free clone with purchase. Uh, one of the hobbies I had enjoyed was gardening, and, and I did a lot of container gardening. So when I was kind of given this free plant, you know, I just started just growing it, and then. You know, had no idea what I was doing. Just grew it like it was a house plant, and then as I started to experience the, uh, you know, the positive benefits of cannabis itself, I, I thought, you know, wow, this is really not only is it amazing for me and, and, and probably save my life, but you know, this this would be a really good career path to do, 
um, you know, it's something that I, I love doing. It's very therapeutic, and and I think that I can do a really good job. So I kind of, from there, started really devoting my time to to studying horticulture, to studying you know growing cannabis, to study you know genetics and things like that. And I just, I mean, I, I knew at that moment in 2009 that that was what I wanted to do, and focused all my energy on on making that happen. Um, it took uh, a number of years to get uh, Alpenstash off the ground. Getting a licensed cannabis facility in Colorado at that time is was much more difficult than it is now. Um, you know, it's still a lengthy process. So I, I spent my time working on that, going to school for horticulture, and uh, and then later working in the hydroponic industry. Kind of brought it all together. Danny, what are some of the common mistakes people like me make when trying to grow cannabis? You forget to water the plants, and you go away <laughs> yeah. for the weekend, and they're dead when you come back. Right? Uh, yeah, that's that's a, a, a very common one. Um, well, she's not she's not uh, she's not kidding because a couple of weeks ago I had three plants in a container outside. They were growing nicely. They were beautiful. And the day before we went away for three days, I thought, okay, well, they need to be watered. I'll water them tomorrow when we leave, except I forgot. Ah, yes. And um, then I came back, and they were a mess. Yeah. Uh, did they die or did they recover? Look, uh, Corey, what do you think? I think one one, one is struggling. One is struggling, probably about a 60-40 chance it's going to survive. Uh, one looks petrified. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one is beyond recognition. <laughs> uh, you got them good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely you know learning curves. I, I would say the biggest mistakes uh, that people make if they're growing indoors is that you know they try to grow it in a windowsill. Uh, you know, they definitely need more light than that. The biggest mistakes are people give them too much love, uh, you know, or too concerned, and then you get overwatering, and or they treat it differently than other plants i mean it, it certainly is a different you know it's its own unique plant but uh you know people that might be really good at, at growing tomatoes all of a sudden you know they're growing cannabis and then they they freak out and they do a bunch of research online which is often a terrible idea idea to do with cannabis specifically and you know kind of give it too much attention and too much love instead of treating it like uh you know like it's a plant and and what it wants to do is grow so you just kind of provide it with a good environment and you know it will do the rest the watering thing i find to be really tricky i'm not yes i I don't have that down pat yet because i read that cannabis roots don't like to be uh have a lot of water in them is that true most plants will have issues with overwatering uh and in general most plants and this includes cannabis like to be on a water cycle that that is uh they get thoroughly watered until there is some runoff and then they're allowed to dry pretty completely. Obviously, you, you want to get them again with water before they start to show signs of needing water. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of people just overwater. So if, if you're able to, my best advice for watering, because there is no set – You know, one of, the, one of the common questions is how often and how much do I water? And the answer is it totally depends on so many different factors. So my advice to people is that if, you're in, if it's in a container – in which you can kind of give it a, a tug and see the weight of it. Notice how much it weighs uh, when you first add soil to it, and there's not a lot of water in there. And that's kind of your, your base point for when it needs water. Then you water it thoroughly, and then you know kind of give it a tug again, and you say, okay, 
you know, at first I could lift it, you know, one of the corners off the ground fairly easily, felt pretty light. And now I gave it a bunch of water and now it's much heavier. That's kind of your, when it has enough water point, check it every day and you say, okay, the next day, you know, it's a little lighter, but it's still pretty heavy. And then the third day, oh, wow, now I can pull the corner off the ground again pretty easily. Then you go ahead and give it water again. Danny, did, when your business and when you were starting up, did you have many disasters yourself? Certainly, when I was starting uh, uh, as a hobbyist, I had a lot of disasters. Um, you know, I, I, I there was definitely when I when I moved into a licensed commercial space, uh, there was definitely a learning curve there. I had done my best to prepare myself for it, you know, but there was still still some learning to do. Danny, and, and there always is, by the way. Yeah, that's right. How is your business, Alpenstash, different than other businesses of its kind in Colorado? We are a very small facility, family-owned and operated. Uh, I have three employees other than myself that do, that do everything, and those are uh, my fiancé, uh, a really close friend, and then an, uh, two really close friends – Everything uh, we add to our plants is uh, all the nutrients are, are natural and sustainably sourced. We use le- low wattage lighting technology, so we're able to uh, achieve a really good yield off of using a lot less energy. We have an energy efficient AC system. And then another thing that we do that is fairly unique is, is we actually, not only do we hand trim our flower, but we cure it in glass for a minimum of a month. So... You know, any product that you get from Alpenstash will be glass cured for a minimum of a month, which is uh, extremely important to the quality of the, of the final product, and, and is very, very often a, a very good glass cure is is very rare in the cannabis industry. Um, so, you know, we're definitely that artisanal craft product. Um, the other thing that makes us a little different is that we we do a lot of breeding in house, so we have a lot of strains that are unique to us and we're always playing around with new genetics or we're always creating new cultivars and uh, you know we have some of the most uh, exotic genetics available. Danny, why did you choose glass curing? Uh, so, you know, cannabis uh, THC can react with plastics. So a lot of people, you know, if they cure they cure uh, in plastic, and in order to get a good cure, you need an airtight container. So a lot of people will do five-gallon buckets or turkey bags. Um, you know, they're just things that have plastic, you know, which is derived from oil, which is a solvent of THC in them, and so they just react with the cannabis. So the things that don't react um, are glass and steel. Uh, steel. Some people think that it imparts a little bit of, of a taste uh, and makes it a little bit funky. So, you know, we just, I've just always used glass. I'm a fan of glass uh, in general. And we just found that that makes, you know, the best product that we, we can offer. You must uh, be surprised even uh, yourself at how far you've come over the last number of years in terms of both your health and your knowledge of cannabis. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was quite, uh, you know, it, feel, it feels cathartic in, in the fact that I, I feel like I'm on the path that I should be on. And had I, if you would have asked me, uh, you know, we had this conversation before I started medical cannabis, I would have not believed anything you were saying. So it's, it's definitely surprising. Uh, I will say, though, that it's been the most healing uh, experience and and. 
I guess, just positive uh, experience uh, that I've ever had. I mean, you know, the people, the friends that I've made, that I've met, you know, either through through growing or, you know, just through the cannabis scene or working in the hydro, hydro industry, you know, they're all, uh, the friends I made are, are dear friends and are nothing but supportive and positive um, in, in many aspects of life, you know, a healthy lifestyle, physical activity, things like that. I mean, it's just the people are wonderful, the plan is wonderful, and this business is, is wonderful. Danny, do you continue to use cannabis on a daily basis? And um, in, if so, in what form? Uh, I, I do ingest uh, mostly on a daily basis. I, I definitely will take a day off here or there. Um, and, and I have done, you know, kind of longer stints, you know, three or four months off um, taking breaks. But for the most part, I do use daily. And um, my most common form of ingestion is, is still just smoking flour. I do do some edibles uh, here and there, and I do vape every once in a while. Uh, and then, you know, every once in a while, like, you know, maybe once every six months, uh, I'll do a dab. Danny, how are your health issues today? I'm thinking of your asthma, colitis, your pelvic floor problem. Yeah, so my asthma is great. Um, that's actually been uh, really good for a number of years now, thankfully. It was it was pretty bad when I was a kid, but uh, some of the newer medications really helped that. My colitis, after I got off the opiates, I, I definitely had an issue with that, but that's now under control. The pelvic floor dysfunction, I was, I was able to fix that when it was diagnosed uh, with some medication that helped modulate my immune system for a little bit. Um, I still deal with pain. I still deal with um, some issues mostly relating to, you know, the surgery and the scar tissue that's been built up. Uh, But, you know, cannabis helps me deal with that. The other thing is is just a healthy mindset about it and and some of the other coping skills that I learned after I was able to get off the opiates. It's interesting, uh, and now there's a lot of research to support this, but what they're finding out is that if you have a a chronic pain issue from uh, something like a, a nerve problem or, you know, tight muscles, and things like that, as opposed to injuries, opiate therapies actually can make those worse. And, you know, not only does, if you're getting a constant pain signal and you're blocking that pain signal, your body will devote more of its nerve pathways to pain. But just the inactivity that comes with being on those medications, you know, actually add to the pain. So what I found is, is that once I was able to get off the medication, you know, get moving again, um, the opiate medication that is, and get and get moving again, that a substantial amount of my pain issues uh, resolved just just by doing that. Danny, where do you think you'd be today without cannabis in your life? Uh, you know, even though I was always really optimistic that, that I would get better uh, if I hadn't come across cannabis at the time and if I was still, you know, kind of in the same situation that I was in, I... You know, if I if I was alive, I think that I would I would be very very unhealthy, uh, very depressed, and I mean I, I don't even know dark places for sure. Yeah, you don't want to go there. You owe it all to your dad. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my parents are extremely extremely supportive, and they always have been. So, you know, I I, I owe it it all to, to to both of them. But I do owe a lot to my dad for very much encouraging me to try medicinal cannabis. Danny, anything you want to say in conclusion? 
I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, obviously, uh, using cannabis to achieve health is something that's very important to me, and you know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what I do and what I'm passionate about. If anybody wants to check us out, please uh, look at, uh, give us a follow on Instagram. Our, our handle is at Alpinstash. That's A-L-P-I-N-S-T-A-S-H. Uh, you can check out our website for information about us and, and some of our bios. That's alpinstash.com. Please feel free to reach out via email, dan at alpinstash.com. And uh, check out our YouTube page where I, I share uh, my knowledge of growing. And, and you can search for us on YouTube on Alpinstash. I'll have to do that. Yeah, you'll have to check that out, Ian. <laughs> yeah, and, and please, you know, anybody listening or you guys, if you have any suggestions of videos you'd like to see or growing techniques, you know, please send me an email because I believe in, in complete transparency and, and sharing the knowledge that I have and, and continuing to learn myself. Well, awesome. thanks, Danny. We, we appreciate uh, you telling yeah, your story. You. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much, Danny. And we're always looking for people to interview on Cannabis Health Radio regarding their medical use of cannabis. Some days it's tough trying to find someone, and we do this five days a week. So if you have a story about the medical use of cannabis and how it has helped you, then send us an email with a bit of background. It doesn't have to be lengthy, just a couple of paragraphs on how cannabis has helped you. If you'd like us to interview you, send that to us at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. And if you're looking for an app to listen to Cannabis Health Radio, you can always download Stitcher. Stitcher is a great app that allows you to listen to Cannabis Health Radio on any device. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.